This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We have been studying the book, my latest book, Jesus, Our Magnificent Obsession 365, a book that tells my compelling story, at least I think so, a story of personal revival, renewal, and rediscovery of who Jesus is, who Jesus should be to the believer, to the church, and to the world. I want you to have this book so badly that I am offering it for one dollar, first of September, on Amazon and from Olu George Ministries Global. And when you do purchase it for one dollar, I want I would love for you to leave a positive comment if you've read the hard copy, or if you have been a partner or you've enjoyed our ministry, I would like for you to leave a recommendation as well. And to hear this story, you can visit our YouTube channel, Olu George Ministries, and find the episode that is titled, This Is My Story. There I tell the story of my experience with Christ, how I came to Christ at 17, how I felt and I received a call to the ministry, how I went into full-time ministry at a young age of 22, and how in my 40s I realized I was a backslidden Christian. That is a very sobering and fearful thought. I was a pastor, but I was backslidden. Why? Because very hardened criminals not only came to church, they were comfortable in church, they were committed to church. They would pray with us. They would fast with us. And they would give generously. They were very respectful and very kind of the anointing. But they had zero interest in serving the Lord. And it baffled me for years. Why are people not changing? And then when my life turned around, I realized I was a backslidden Christian, a backslidden preacher. A, an earthbound preacher, a carnal preacher, a worldly preacher. That was why pickpockets could join our church and become international scam artists. People who hawked drugs on the street could join our church and become exporters from Colombia. They were comfortable in their sins. They were confident that they knew God, even more than the pastor sometimes. Because rather than the word of God changing them and making them candidates of heaven, they compromised humanly, genetically modified gospel that I preach, which I can guarantee you right now is preached on many, many pulpits across the world, was making them twice the children of hell. So the sobering question is this. Is it possible that many, many people that warm our pews every Sunday, that will warm our pew this coming Sunday, really have never encountered Christ? Is it possible that many, many career pastors, seminary trained, Bible school trained, ordained bishops and archbishops and archangels and archdemons, is it possible that many preachers have never had an encounter with Jesus? 
Is it possible? That many had encounters with Jesus, but that encounter has slipped. Hebrews chapter 2, he says, Be careful lest the things that we have heard, lest we let them sleep. Is it possible that like Samson, many Christians and many preachers, many ministers, they get up and think that the Holy Ghost is with them, but he has completely left the building. He left long ago. Is that possible? I pray for everyone who listens to this broadcast. When I leave the studio, I'm going to do a video podcast. I pray for everyone who sees that video podcast on YouTube, on Facebook, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. I pray anyone who encounters any of these teachings will themselves have their own Damascus Road experience. I pray that Jesus will become their all. I pray that he will become their Lord indeed. He says, these people, they, they, they serve me, they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. All they teach are the commandments of men. I pray that not one person who hears this series of messages would ever stand before Jesus on the last day and say, hey, Jesus, we preached in your name. We planted churches in your name. We engaged in missionary outreaches in your name. We prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. The message transition says, we, we, the, the, the devils were subject to us in your name. We terrorized demons. And Jesus would in turn turn around and say, I never knew you. You used me. You used me as a tool. You heard that I answered prayers. So you came to pray to me so I can answer your prayer. You can have what you want. You heard that if you gave to me, I will multiply. So you tithe and give offerings, not because you love me, not because you are committed to my pleasure, but because you wanted me to double. You wanted me to be a money doubler. And because giving is a principle, I allowed you to prosper by giving, but I never knew you. You are like the man and the woman who got married for money and the marriage was never consummated. They got married for other reasons apart from love. And even though they are married on paper, they have a wedding marriage certificate to prove it. They have wedding photos, but they never had a wedding night consummation of that marriage. And as far as that marriage, until it's consummated, the paper doesn't mean much. The photos don't mean everything. It's the consummation that really makes the marriage. That's where intimacy is gone. Jesus says, I have never really been intimate with you. You know about me. I know you because I created you. But you've never been in a place of intimacy with me. You've never allowed me to come into your heart to change your priorities, to change your feelings, change your thoughts, change your worldviews, change your passions. You have never allowed me to influence your appetites and your proclivities. May that never be yours or my testimony. And so last episode, I talked about the fact that if you ask 10 people about who Jesus was, you will get a different answer. You will hear he was a great prophet from some. You will hear that he was a wonderful teacher from others. You will hear that he was an imposter from others. For example, the traditional Jews, if you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior to the Jewish culture, you are dead because you have identified with the enemy. In the Jewish mind, in the unregenerated Jewish mind, you could never be a Christian and Jewish at the same time. 
And so when many Jewish converts begin to read the Bible, they are shocked. It's not a Roman book. It's not a Catholic book. It's a Jewish book. The man, Jesus, was a Jew. His 12 apostles were Jewish. The, 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 the genealogies in the Gospels were Jewish. All the major characters were Jewish. So, it depends on who you ask. You ask a new ager. It tells you Jesus is a powerful energy. I even harness that energy as well as other energies. But if you ask a genuine believer, and I hope I am one, I trust I am one. If you ask me, who is Jesus, you'll have to listen for a few minutes. He is everything. He is Lord of glory. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the Word of God. He is the logic of heaven. He is the source of life. He is the author of our faith. He is the miracle-working God. He is the one who bears witness in heaven and on earth. The prophets spoke about him in details. For example, Isaiah said concerning him, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. 800 years in advance. And his name shall be wonderful. His name shall be counselor. His name shall be everlasting father. His name shall be the prince of wholeness. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The prophet spoke extensively about him. For example, uh, David spoke about him when he wrote Psalm 22. My Lord, my Lord, Eloi, Eloi, why have you forsaken me? Lama Sabachthani. He wrote about him when he said, they will cast lots for my garments. He wrote about him when he says, my heart has ruptured within me. I'm surrounded by the dogs. He wrote, Scripture spoke about him and says, not one bone in that Psalm 22, not a single bone in his body will be broken. So when the soldiers went to check if he was dead, if he hadn't been dead, they would have broken his thigh bones to hasten his death. But when they got there, he was dead. So not a single bone was broken. All through Scripture, from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to 1 Samuel to Ruth, we see Jesus. If you can find me another human in history whose birth was predicted hundreds, possibly thousands of years ago, just as man fell in the Garden of Eden, God himself, Elohim, prophesied there would be a seed of the woman and that seed will crush Satan's head thousands of years in advance. And he fulfills all these prophecies in intricate details. Jesus said to the Jews in John chapter 5 verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that the scriptures contain eternal life, but you miss the forest for the trees. All these scriptures testify of me, but you wouldn't come to me to let me open your eyes like he did the disciples on Emmaus Road 
when he went and from the scriptures, from the prophets, he showed them that the son of man must suffer, must be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights and must resurrect to glory on the third day. And as he spoke to them, the Bible says their hearts were strangely warmed. The scriptures testify of him. What about his virgin birth? Has it ever happened before in the history of the world? Has it ever happened after that a virgin conceives without the input of a man? Has there ever been any man without education who will confound the doctors of the law, who would answer all their questions, but then would turn around and ask them a question they could not answer? Like when he asked them, if David says, the Lord says to my Lord, David is calling his own offspring, his own descendant, my Lord. How can he call his own offspring, my Lord? And then on another occasion, he asked them, the baptism of John, is it from heaven or from the earth? They couldn't answer. He answered all their questions, but they couldn't answer one question. Has there ever been a man like that? What about the mystery of godliness? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What do you mean, Paul? God was manifested in the flesh. <laughs> John chapter 3, God was in the world, reconciling men to himself. God was in the world. Not a prophet, not a sage, not a wise man, not a religion, a founder of a religion. God was in the flesh. God stepped out of eternity into time. God stepped out of the realm of the spirit and wrapped himself in human flesh and lodged himself in the embryo, in the womb of a virgin, the God who is bigger than the heavens, the God who humbles himself to behold the heavenly things yet was small enough to fit in the embryo lodged in the womb of a young woman. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. That means he was condemned in the flesh, but justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. God was received up into glory. It was God in Christ. I believe the contest in the deepest portions of hell, when Jesus took the keys of death of hell and of the grave of Satan, it wasn't a power contest at all. It was a wisdom contest. Because had the kingdom of darkness, as the Lord of darkness known, he would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan was crucifying Elohim himself, but shrouded in a mystery, packaged in a human, in a diminutive human form. 
looking helpless, led as a lamb to the slaughter. He won't even utter a word in his own defense. Looked like the epitome of weakness, of misery. So when he drove those nails into his hands, he was driving nails into the hands of El Shaddai. He didn't know it. When he was hammering that crown of thorns onto his scalp, he was doing it to El Olam, the everlasting God. What confusion. He attempted to kill the giver of life. And so all that Jesus did in the, the lowest parts of hell, because he that ascended to the highest part of heaven first descended to the lowest part of hell. In the lowest part of hell, he took away the veil. He took away the mask, the human mask, and revealed to Satan and all of hell for the first time that he had been messing around with Yahweh, the king of Israel. And at that point in time, the keys of hell, of death, and of the grave fell out of the hands of Satan. It wasn't a struggle at all. In his shock and in his being petrified, the keys fell out of his hand. Jesus picked up the keys. The Bible says it was impossible for death to hold him. It was impossible for death to hold him. He shows up back on the earth. He handed the keys of death, the keys of hell, the keys of the grave to the church. And therefore, death cannot threaten the church anymore because it's appointed unto man who wants to die. And after that, there is judgment because in dying, he tasted death from, for every man. We do not have to taste death anymore. We just sleep. Death for the saint is the easiest thing they ever did. The most pleasant experience they will ever have on this earth. Because when your time is up, on this earth, if you have walked closely with Jesus, there will be a roll call in heaven. You will hear your name. You will hear your name being called and angels will come to escort you to the place of everlasting glory. The place of unimaginable beauty and wealth and wellness. The new Jerusalem. So when I think of Jesus in response to your question, I get confused. I have to think of words I can use because he defies definition. So I think of the word powerful. Powerful. Has there ever been a man who rebukes raging seas? Who rises up in the middle of a storm and only casually says, peace be still. Have we ever seen a man who would recreate brand new eyes in sockets that were empty? Has there ever been a man who would look at feet that have no bones in them and command the person born lame to walk? Have we ever seen a man who walks into graves and men come out in grave clothes? He is the most powerful. But beyond power, I think the word beautiful is the most beautiful, the most attractive person you will ever meet. I know because I've met him. Once you meet him, you lose respect for men, no matter their state in life. 
When I think about Jesus, I think of the word consequential. History is divided into past and present before Christ and after Christ. He's that consequential. When I think of him, I think of fascinating. He's, he's fascinating. Once he captures your imagination, you find him the most fascinating. He's amazing. In fact, he's intoxicating. Smith Wigglesworth heard a ruckus in his lounge one night. He came out and he saw. He saw Satan with his pitchfork and horns making a commotion in his lounge. He hissed. He went back to sleep. He had no respect for Satan or for demons or for death or for disease because he had become intoxicated with the word, the Christ. When I think of Jesus, I think of the word enchanting. I think of the word love. How could I ever miss that? I think of the word worthy. He is worthy. I think of the word transcendent. I think of the word addictive. One of the most addictive things in the world is heroin. So difficult to get off of, I've been told. But Jesus is more addictive than heroin, I tell you. I think of the word captivating, compelling. So Jesus is the most powerful, the most beautiful, the most consequential, the most fascinating, the most amazing, the most intoxicating, the most enchanting, the most loving, the most worthy, the most transcendent, the most addictive, the most captivating, the most compelling person you will ever meet. Have you met my Jesus? If you haven't, don't go to sleep tonight until you have. Don't get off of your knees until he manifests himself to you. Lord Jesus, visit my friend who is listening, who has listened to this message. Touch them in the way they've never been touched before. Open their eyes, open their heart. Inflame their imagination with pictures of heaven and of the throne. Let their lives never remain the same again. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Sidkenu, Sashalom. Thank you, Papa. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.